don't even know how to spell that. And Mikey, you studied biology, and then his honors was in plant pollination, which if I understand is birds and bees, uh, flowers. So if you want to know anything about the birds and the bees, you guys can talk to Mikey. But, um, but these are a couple that um, they love Jesus deeply, and not just Jesus, they love science, actually. They love the wonder of God and creation, and often there can be a fight between these two um, fields, and I, I love that they've mar- managed to, to, to balance them and find how God actually works through science and through creation. So I'm really excited to hear Mikey and Kate speak. I'm not sure who's going first. You, because you've got to rock, Mikey. So I'd love, to just, I'd love for you to just open up your hearts and your minds, and the, the heart of tonight is that actually we would, we would wonder and glory in who God is through his creation. So Mikey, can I hand over to you? Thank you, Chris. Hello, friends. So good to see you guys this evening. Man, oh man, what a privilege it is to be together and to worship Jesus like we did. And um, Chris. Sam. I was like, Chris, I'm ready. <laughs> so no, that's so cool. So cool to be a part of a church with their kids running around. You know, that's a special thing. Um, so I'm going to ask a favor. Matt, can you dim the lights from where you are? Is that something you can do? Okay, because we're going to need we're going to need the lights down low tonight. That sounds a lot like we're feeding into the birds and the bees thing, but we're, just roll with me a little on that. We've got. Um, we can actually turn these house lights down quite a lot because most of our attention is actually going to be focused at the screen tonight. And I thought um, the opportunity to speak about God and his creation and his wonder and his majesty, um, it shouldn't just be a verbal exercise. It shouldn't just be you listening. It actually should be something visual that we get to behold and see. And I hopefully will invoke something of your senses and your taste buds as well. I imagine. No, we'll see. We'll see how the night goes. But um, we can actually, Tristan, you can turn the stage lights off. Um, on the bottom left over there as well. Thank you. And so we're going to take a step through, first looking really far out, and then we're going to come really, really close. All right. And so, uh, Matt, if you jump to the next slide, uh, and you're going to jump across, there we go. There's a video that's going to help us kind of understand scale tonight. That's the first thing we need to understand when we're going to talk about going out. So go for it, my bro. You can actually leave it off, Dan. It's all good. I don't think uh, people are going to take many notes for this. I think they're just going to enjoy seeing things as we go. Thanks, dude. So I'd just love to pray for us, if if I could, because if you're feeling a sense of that's too big, then welcome. (laughs) It's really good to have you. But I'd just love to pray that God would touch our minds tonight, because um, I think there's something beyond us this evening that we're going to get to witness and look at, and um, we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help for that. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for worship that we could praise you like we did. But we know, Lord, that there's so much more. And we ask God, you would touch our minds this evening. You would touch our eyes. You would touch our ears. You would touch our hearts to understand more than what we have before. Because, Lord, we haven't even scratched the surface of how great you are. So please, Lord, be with us tonight. Testify to us from your creation, we pray. In the precious and powerful name of our Jesus, amen. Amen. So, Psalm 19, I believe it is. 
It says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of who? They pour it out unceasingly. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And there's a, the, the people who wrote the Bible, the writers of Scripture, often would call upon the things of nature actually to describe something of who God was. When they described His presence in the Old Testament, it was a pillar of fire by day. What, sorry, cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. God was within the whirlwind, the hurricane with Elijah. He, was, um, he displayed His power in these mighty acts that shifted and changed the very laws of physics that governed our earth. And so... When they says the heavens declare the glory of God, I think there's an invitation that the writer of the psalm says to us to take a step outside and to look up and to see what is being declared, the glory of God. So let's have a look. Let's go to the next one. And so if you start to look for a little bit with the small machines that mankind has built, you can go to the next one. You can slowly move through them, Matt. You will see pictures of things that our naked eye cannot see. It is beyond us. It is above us. It's beyond our comprehension. What you're looking at right now, where it's big cloud, uh, uh, clouds of colored gas, those are known as nebula. And then these clusters of stars that are formed within there. Scientists agree that within the nebula, it's like the birthing place of stars. And those stars are not just one little twinkle, twinkle star up in the night sky. It is thousands upon thousands upon millions upon millions upon billions upon billions. If you looked at that fact, you can pause there for a second, Matt. If you looked at that fact we saw at the end of the video, it says they agree that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. Isn't that insane? There's more stars in the universe than there's grain of, grains of sand over our entire planet. There you can see two galaxies that are actually in the process of colliding with one another. And in the background are multiple other galaxies, which is just crazy to think. Let's go to the next one. Just again, a beautiful picture. The heavens declare the glory of God. Let's go to the next one after that. Again, more pictures. Again, three galaxies, four that you can kind of see clearly in the background. Every single one of those is not just a star, a galaxy as well with millions and billions of stars. So this picture we'll pause here is, um, it was referred to earlier about the Hubble Space Telescope. It is a famous image known as the Hubble Deep Field where they pointed this Hubble telescope which orbits our Earth outside of our atmosphere. They pointed pointed it at an upper left portion of this night sky, just to the left of the moon. And, uh, and they allowed the exposure to be a little bit longer so they could gather as much light as it could that was being received by that telescope. When they developed the image, this is what they saw. And if you, any of you have ever seen or heard anything about this, every single one of those dots is a galaxy. Every single one. And there are thousands upon thousands of them. The universe is huge. It's ginormous. And the scriptures say that the Lord measures out the heavens with the breadth of his hand. He just sticks his fingers out. He measures it. That talks about a God that is very big. Let's go to the next one, Matt. Psalm 33 verses 9 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. And we've just looked. Let's go to the next one. We've looked and the Lord breathes he breathes out the heavens. He breathes out the stars. Let's go to the next one. 
countless and fathomably huge numbers of stars breathed out by God. Let's pause here. So this is something, one of my favorites. It's called the Crab Nebula, and it's not because I'm overly fond of crabs, but because it is the result of a cosmic event known as a supernova. Now, a supernova, for those of you who don't know, is one of the people agree to be the biggest explosions in the universe. It's a massive, massive display of power. And in the year 1050-something, I think it is, um, astronomers who were studying the night sky saw what they called to be a, a guest star. And a guest star essentially was a star that does not belong in the sky, but it appeared out of nowhere. And that guest star was a supernova that scientists believe actually formed this nebula. This nebula is the evidence of a huge cosmic explosion. And uh, I love reading up about them. I'm a little bit of a fact junkie. I, I rather enjoyed uh, watching National Geographic from six o'clock at night on a Sunday, a couple of when I was little. But um, one of the craziest facts I ever read about a supernova, I think they said something along the lines of if a supernova went off, and I, I do stand to be corrected on this because I'm trying to remember back, but if a supernova exploded in the Milky Way galaxy, the brightness of it would be so bright that it would actually, if I remember correctly, yes, would be brighter than if you were to detonate an atomic bomb in the room with you. They were saying the brightness of these things is so bright that they actually outshine the galaxy that they're a part of. They are massively bright displays of power and and so let's go to the next one. And how do they happen? They happen because a, a star that is usually undergoing nuclear fusion, uh, essentially nuclear fusion is pushing energy and matter outwards. Gravity is pulling it back in. But when the nuclear fusion runs out, we're at the end of a star's life. The gravity is no, uh, is essentially what happens, the gravity pulls all that matter in towards itself and then it explodes outwards in a massive display of power and light. And I love that because one of the descriptions about our God it says that he wraps himself in an approachable light. Engage your senses for a moment. Imagine what that looks like. Think of the heat yesterday when you stood out inside of the sun, in the sunlight and the heat of that, the uncomfortableness of that. Now imagine the intensity of a God who breathes out stars, who creates supernovas, whose power is on that level and scale. And it says he wraps himself in unapproachable light. It's an incredible description. Let's go to the next one. There's also some hidden treasures in this universe that God has made. This is one of my favorites. It's a planet that is made pretty much entirely of carbon, and its density is about twice that of Earth. And so what scientists seem to agree is that this planet is made out of diamond. The, the carbon atoms have been solidified in such a way that they crystallize, and they form a planet-sized diamond. And so here we are, fighting for scraps and wealth on our planet, when in the universe that our God has made, He has treasures like we cannot fathom. We cannot imagine an entire planet of diamond, and who knows what else. Let's go to the next one. Psalm 104 says, Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. Think of that scale video that we watched where it showed the universe. Like this is the observable new universe. This is what we think's out there. And it says he wraps it, the heavens around himself. He stretches them out. How great is this God? That title of our evening is how great is our God, and that can either be for you a, state, uh, a statement saying how great is our God, or it can be a question. 
How great. And I'm hoping tonight we'll start to uncover and unearth a little bit more of that, where we get to a point where we actually say, Lord, unless you touch our minds and unless you touch our eyes and our heart, we will not even be able to scratch the surface of how great you are. Let's go to the next slide. So galaxies upon galaxies, displays of God's glory. And uh, you know what? I thought I was such a hero. I was like, yeah, we're going to keep it all dark, but this is going to work just fine. Um, Super nice. Hey, David. <laughs> hey, careful, David. <laughs> There's, um, I read this quote, and it just said this. What if the primary purpose of the universe was to show off majesty and show off the creativity and the wondrous power of a creator God? What if the phenomena that we have discovered so far is just the first in an endless train lined up by God for us to discover? More and more and more. And there are things that we will never get to see in this life, not in the whole history of humankind. Kind. Isn't that wild? There are things out there that we will never see, but they will one day be shown to us by the God who made them. Let's go to the next one. So let's gonna, we're going to bring it home now, all right? So what does home look like? Matt, show us, brother. Wow. <laughs> so our little neck of the woods is obscured by a cloud at this point, but there's our planet. And uh, there's actually a really amazing series called Our Planet. Two of you have watched it on Netflix. Oh, there we go. Some of the, the few very blessed. It's an awesome series. You check it out. Go to the next slide, Matt. There's a trailer for Our Planet 2 that I just love to show you. And uh, I, I really love what it shows about our Earth.
So it gives you a picture. Let's jump to the next one of our planet, Isaiah 40. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Um, I'm going to grab a couple of sections out of it just to help us as we grapple with this idea of something a little bit closer to home. It says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance? Let's jump to the next slide. And maybe you think of that, who's measured the waters? It's not talking about the water that you get from the municipality through a tap. It's talking about the oceans, all the oceans of the world. And it is immense and vast. In fact, they say that we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the, um, the bottom of our oceans. It's absolutely mysterious. It's ginormous. It's hard to reach. Let's go to the next slide. That scripture talks about God weighing the mountains as if on a scale. And I think of this video, which we're going to show a little bit of Matt. So sorry, another video challenge for you, bro. <laughs> Oh, no, not that one. <laughs> there we go. Just going to... There we go. I'm sure. Give it a click. There we go. And it might look familiar to you, maybe. imagine the sheer power that it takes to almost pick them up, pick up the mountains, pop them on a scale as if it's nothing. That's what that scripture is describing. Just now you're going to see probably one of my favorite bits of uh, cinematography where they um, show rain raining down on the Drakensberg and the scriptures actually talk about how God is the one who sends rain where there is no man. I love that, that wording. Just as where no man is present, God is the one who sends and provides the rain. He opens the heavens so that things can grow, so that things can be fruitful. I'm pretty sure it comes up just after this somewhere. It's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Firstly of our country. I mean, how lucky, how blessed actually are we to live in this incredible place. And then uh, and we get to go, there it is, just like rain opened up, showering across these mountains that actually look very, very small in the, in the light of rainfall coming down. But Matt, let's jump to the next one, my bro. You can see just rain pouring down. This picture is taken at the nearly the top of Mount Everest, and it's looking down over the Himalayan mountain range. One of, well, it is the biggest, tallest mountain range on earth. And um, those mountains are all thousands of meters high. They are kilometers in height. And you can see something of the curvature of the earth. You can imagine, probably only just imagine what those people who are up there are feeling at that moment. But when that scripture says that the Lord takes the mountains and he weighs them on a scale, this is what it should invoke in our minds. It's actually ginormous, sturdy, Unmovable, you would think. But Jesus even says this thing. He says, actually, if your faith is small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved. That's his power, not ours. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. Let's go to the next slide. So verse 13 of that Isaiah 40 says, who can fathom? 
I think that's probably where I've landed in this preach, friends, is who can fathom, you know? Not the brightest minds, not the most genius of people. Who, who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord? Or instruct the Lord as His counselor. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten Him? I even think of the creation that we're looking at. God didn't have to ask anybody about how it works. He has made it work from the smallest molecular structure, as we'll look at later, through to the biggest cosmic entity. He knows it all, and the physics behind it, and it all bows to Him. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten Him, and who taught Him the right way? Who was it that taught Him knowledge or showed Him the path of understanding? Next one, Matt. And the next verse after that talks about how God uh, looks at the, the islands, all of the islands of the earth, like dust, fine dust on the scale. And I was thinking, like, islands are not small. <laughs> but God looks at it's like dust on the scale that he uses to weigh the mountains, perhaps. Let's go to the next one. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Romans 1 actually points this a little bit because it talks about since the foundations of the earth, the invisible attributes of God have been clearly made known through creation. That's essentially what it's saying. And so it says, so that men are without excuse. How wild is that statement? That men are without excuse that God has, has made. Like John Piper has this saying that I'd actually love to share with you. It's so beautiful. He talks about, this. Let's have a look and see. There we go. He says, uh, no other thing can shake the deep, primal, intuitive, normal, and ordinary sense that we get when we behold beauty and majesty. It all points to him. You look around and your soul echoes, this was made. This was all made. It is amazing how God has put this all together. And these things are but a painting. They are not the painter. Oh my, oh my, what must lie behind all these things? Who must lie behind all of these things? What an incredible reminder that the things that we look at, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. That circle that, that we saw on the top of Everest, he sits above it. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to nothing, to naught, and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take roots in the ground than he blows on them. And they wither, and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. You can go to the next one, Matt. Beautiful reminder of the things that we look at, maybe even the, the situations that arise in our world, and we say, God, oh my goodness, the situation, and here, there, and everywhere. And yet, the scriptures tell us, actually, the nations, I think it comes later on, it says the nations are like nothing before the Lord. They are like nothing. They are insignificant before Him. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes, which you can do later tonight when you go outside. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Wait, wait. Jump to the next slide quickly, Matt. I think it's there. Are you saying that the Lord knows the name of every single one? Are you saying that the Lord, that says because of his mighty power, not one is missing? Is that what it's saying? Yes, that's what it's saying, that the Lord. And do you see how we say it's unfathomable? It's beyond us. We can't understand that kind of power. We can't understand that kind of memory. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like it's beyond our capabilities. And I, I think if we start to go down this rabbit hole long enough, we are left with a deep sense of humility and a deep sense sense of awe. And all we can say is how great, how great is our God. Go to the next slide, please, man. 
So this is also a video, my bro, I promise. You're going to jump to the right. And this one now starts to paint something of the picture of the, there we go, go back, <laughs> um, of all of the, the different amazing situations and e uh, ecosystems and environments in our planet. And so, oh, there we go. <laughs> it's coming. Don't worry. This one, I really love this one. It just shows something of the beauty. Yeah, if you give it a click, it should work. Click on the thing thing. There you go. Give it a click click. <laughs> Come on, that's what the click click did for me. Ayo. <laughs> there we go. Matt, you've got the touch, my brother. So step outside from time to time and have a look up. Now, obviously, this is sped up. If you wanted to see this, you'd have to stand there for a very long time. But just have a look. This is the world that God has made. And I think even, even there, it's a gift to us and a reminder to us of just His incredible creativity, His power, His expression of life and love. It's an absolutely breathtaking. as the creation of the stars as a sentence in some translations that just say he made the sun to do this and the moon to do this and he made the stars also <laughs> it's literally how they describe it and he makes the stars as well the heavens declare beautiful it says night after night they pour forth speech night after night there's this declaration of the creative power and might and even if we look at the living things here on earth, as you see little glimpses of there, it's not just this cosmic display of beauty and majesty, it's the intricacy of the planet that he has given us that you look at and you just go, wow, wow. If you ever stopped and laid in the grass, if you haven't, that's your homework for this week, is to lie down in the grass and have a look at the things crawling in the grass. This intricate and beautiful match. You can go to the next slide, my friend. And so this is a picture of Yosemite National Park for literally two decades. I called it Yosemite. So, but uh, apparently it's said as Yosemite. You can imag imagine just hiking in that area and gazing at these incredible, this landscape. And just going, wow, next one. Victoria Falls. And I know some of you have been there. Peter, are you here? Yeah, Pete. Does this picture do any justice to what you saw? Not at all. There we go. It's, I remember Pete trying to describe it to the youth last year and just saying it was beyond words standing at the base of a waterfall like that. The sheer volume of water and sound, it's overwhelming, the experience of power. Let's go to the next one. You maybe want to travel up into the northern hemisphere to witness the aurora borealis, or you can go down to the south and see the less impressive aurora australis. It doesn't matter too much, but the, solar, the charged solar radiation pouring into our atmosphere, interacting with our ionosphere, and as they ionize, they glow different colors. You see streams and ribbons of light um, as those particles essentially release the energy that they have. If you go to the next slide, you'll see something of a still of what that looks like. Beautiful, breathtaking. The planet we live in is just stunningly made. As that John Piper quote says, this is made, this is made, this is made. There's another quote that I just so love, and it's from a guy called, I think it's David Muir, Nathan Muir. His surname is Muir. 
It's John. <laughs> there you go. And he's the guy behind the American National Parks idea. He, he was the one who proposed it. And John Muir says this. He says, going into nature is like going to church and listening to sermons. There you'll find sermons written in the stones and in the animals and the trees and the sky, if you know how to listen. And where the invisible God is somehow made a little more visible. Let's go to the next one. Psalm 104 verses 24 says, how many are your works, O Lord? Isn't that true? Like even the tiny amount, not even scratching the surface. I actually wanted to make a disclaimer at the start of tonight to say, I'm not going to do this justice and I'm sorry. Like that's just as the beginning. I'm not going to do this topic justice at all. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Let's go to the next slide. So this picture, this is nothing. Scientists agree that they're, We've so far categorized, um, what's it, Caitlin? Classified, classified just over a million species, and they think there must at least be nine to ten million, maybe more. We don't actually know, but there's just millions upon millions of varieties of life expressed, uh, expressions of God's creation. These are just the animals, let alone the plants, which, as you can imagine, I'm particularly excited about. But let's let's go to the next one, Matt. This is one. Not one more, I'm lying to you guys. This is, <laughs> give it the click, click. <laughs> Let's see if it works. <laughs> uh, don't worry, it's coming. I believe. I believe, I believe. There you go. Oh, shucks. Don't worry. There we go. Oh, Matt, don't let it get away. There you go. <laughs> I really love this. It's, you recognize the voice. I see trees. Oh, of David! <laughs> Red roses, too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. see skies of blue, clouds of white, bright blessed days, dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colours of a rainbow on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? And it goes on and on. It's so beautiful. You can jump to the next one. I think my favorite is the people going by. They're little, <laughs> so, so cute. But uh, Matthew 6, we're going to move on to a tiny bit of plants, if that's okay. So plants and then people, and then we're going to wrap it up. Is that all right? You guys doing okay? Brilliant. And so Matthew 6, verses 28 to 30, Jesus is talking to a crowd and his disciples, and he, he, he's addressing anxiety and worry, <laughs> which I think, yo, Jesus, how, what a timely word even for us. And he says, why? Are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And you're going to jump to the next one, Matt, and there's a, another video. <laughs> But this one's one of my favorites. See, you're getting too good at this now, bro. I love this because you never imagine hummingbirds fighting. <laughs> but here they are. Get out of here. <laughs> you imagine hummingbirds being caught by a spider in its web equally as terrifying. Can you pause on this one? Just, just click on the slide. Just click. You're a rock star. There you go. This one over here is called a morpho butterfly. And here's the crazy thing about these guys. They have a very unique iridescent blue that they shine. Now, scientists have studied this because in nature, the color blue is actually quite rare. And so they wanted to study how this actually happened. If you go down onto a microscopic scale, they have these tiny photostructures, which essentially um, are so exact that they absorb all wavelengths of light except this iridescent reflective blue that they then obviously reflect off their wings. Now, the accuracy for them to create a color like this, apparently it's, is that they, I need to get the number right here, but that it can only be within a 0.000004 millimeter kind of range. It has to be at that exact angle to create this color. Otherwise, their color is absolutely wrong and they won't, they won't be able to breed or anything like that because nothing will recognize it as the same species. So even that blue is like a miracle of uh, biological, um, I want to say biological engineering because it's incredible how it's such a rare color, but it's only made because accurately to a 0.000004 millimeter accuracy do these wings create the color. Go for it, Matt. at the exact right frequency to cause the pollen to be sprayed off the flower and cover its body. Then you have honeybees that um, dance and use pheromones to communicate to one another about where honey and food and alternative hive sites are. Like all of these things are happening around us all the time. We have no idea that it's all going on, but it's all in God's, as I said earlier, like who informed the Lord? You know, who was his counselor when he put all of this together? Jesus calls us to consider the lilies, to consider the flowers, to consider even the plants. And there's an amazing video that I wanted to show you of the flowers all opening. Um, but actually, what a beautiful reminder to us. When you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, <laughs> you're like, God, I'm worried. Looking for the flowers growing around you is a, a reminder of Jesus' promise to you that actually he takes care of his people. Let's go to the next one, Matt. 
There we go. So now we get to people. Genesis 1 verses 26. God the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And can you go to the next slide, Matt? When I, I think of this scripture, I think funnily, funnily enough of this, and those of you who've been here a while will probably remember we did a Jonah series many, 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 many years ago. And I remember Jamie Tanane standing up here in this spot and preaching about how if that scripture is to be believed, that God makes humankind in his likeness, then that makes cities, dense accumulations of people, humans in one place, the most beautiful places in the universe. He was saying because each person, every single soul, every single person walking around that you see on a day-to-day -day basis is carrying something of the image and likeness of God. And that makes each person exceptionally beautiful. Let's go to the next slide. We could spend hours and hours and hours talking about the human body. We could talk about even now how you're drawing breath. You draw breath into your lungs where there are thousands of thousands upon thousands of microscopic little balloons that have a collective surface area of the tennis court and that that allows you to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide and get blood um, oxygenated and get rid of your CO2. We could talk about the miracle of your nervous system, your brain that is this accumulation of cells that remember and think and are creative and do all sorts of wild and wonderful things and are able to communicate with the rest of your body where you're able to stub your toe and feel it. You know, isn't that amazing? Oh. <laughs> those things. We, we could talk about the, the miracle of how the Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the exact number. Now, some of you are like, and there's even fewer now, you know, because it's, it's coming out, if you're anything like me. And um, we could talk about how God takes a particular interest in his people. We can talk about how your skin is so perfectly designed that it um, allows you to be waterproof and actually to be immune to microbes unless the barrier is broken. We, we could just spend hours and hours, but we're going to go a little bit smaller. So please, would you jump to the next slide? The psalmist who didn't know pretty much anything about body and biology and, and physiology says this, Psalm 139 verses 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I think about how um, at one stage in every single one of our lives, we were a single cell. Have you ever thought about that? We were a single cell. We were the product of the fertilization of a sperm and an egg. And that single cell was the newly formed combination of your mother and father's DNA. And at that moment, you were just a single cell. And in that cell already, the plans and purposes of God were at work. And you fast forward a number of years, and suddenly here you are, sitting in this chair, a whole lot of cells, <laughs> and, um, and, and a story of God that's being outworked day by day by day. But isn't it just amazing and humbling to think at one point, we were just a single cell sitting in the fallopian tube of our mom? Absolutely wild to think. Let's go to the next slide. So we're going to talk about cells. And in that background, we're going to talk about four structures and then finish. So the cell, cytologists, scientists, microbiologists, molecular biologists agree, is one of the most intricate 
and brilliantly engineered structures that they've ever come across. We are not able to synthesize them. We're not able to make ones that are entirely man-originated. Ori- ori- uh, they are like miniature cities. And you have about, and I think it's on the next slide, but we can keep it on this one for now. You have all these different structures. Now, this picture is grossly oversimplified as to what's actually going on inside of every single cell in your body. And this is what I make my kids do. Do you ever um, turn to the person next to you very quickly and do this? Just like brush your arm at them. You and this, come on, you people need some passion. But <laughs> that you have just covered them if in hundreds of your dead skin cells. And isn't that wonderful? They say that about 70% of the dust inside your bedroom is dead skin. Isn't that fantastic as well? So some of us need to clean. <laughs> like gonna get home and do the things. But let's jump very quickly. I'm gonna go very quickly through this. There are about 30 trillion cells that your body is made up of. 30 trillion. It is a lot. Let's go to the next one. I want to talk about four things. First thing is this, DNA. DNA, scientists agree again, is the best energy, um, energy, best information storage molecule that we've ever come across. It comprises of essentially four letters in its alphabet. A, C, T, and what is it, Kate? G. Thank you so much. I went blank there. I was going to throw something else in. <laughs> and, um, and with those four letters, they write code upon code upon code that codes for every uh, one of the biological products that comes out of a cell. And it means that in your single cell moment of your life, everything that was needed to make you and me was there. In that moment, every cell has about 1.8 meters of DNA inside of it, which means that if we were to take 30 trillion cells worth of DNA, it would stretch to the moon and back seven times. Every person has that much DNA inside of them. It's an incredible molecule. We're not able to synthesize it. We're not able to do, um, all we can do is marvel at this molecule that we find scattered throughout life on our planet. So let's go to the next one. And for this one, I'm calling Kata because she's ready with her molecular biological things. <laughs> hello, hello. So um, I feel as though I've heard the audible, whatever that means, the voice of God, three times in my life. And the one time I was sitting in second year um, genetics at Varsity, where the lecturer started off the module with way more expressive language, was basically was like, there is no God, only evolution, this is how it works. And um, confronted with like science after science after science fact about how life came to be. And we're learning about this process over here. It's called crossing over. And it happens in the production of your gamete. And I want to try and condense this into a way that non-biologists can understand. But um, our every single characteristic that makes us us is coded for in our DNA. And um, it is called a gene. And every gene. Um, there are two copies of that gene in your body, one from your mom and one from your dad. So the red chromosome from mom, blue chromosome from dad, they carry the same genes. So let's just simplify it and say that the top gene is the gene for eye color. Now there are different variations of that gene. So you could have blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes and depending what gene is expressed is what color eyes you have. So you have two copies of each gene, one from each parent and they can be different variations. And then what happens is when you make your gamete, this crossing over happens where the genetic material is exchanged between the maternal from the mom and paternal from the dad chromosome, and they swap. And it's at this point that genetic variation takes place. So the fact that you and your sibling, even though you came from the same mom and dad, so you came from the same original DNA, you look different, was because of this moment right here. And um, I just felt God say to me, 
that the scripture I knitted you together in your mother's room, womb was not a beautiful, uh, poetic, nuanced that the psalmist just thought it was pretty, but it was actually a biological reality that at this moment, when your chromosomes were crossing to make you your gamete, half of you, that was the moment that God decided what color eyes you were going to have, whether you were going to be tall or short, whether your hair was curly or not, whether you produced this protein or that protein. And so you were knitted together biologically at this moment in time. And then the second, if you go to the next slide. Oh, so this is just what it looks like in, in real life. And it just, it does look like if any of you knit or crochet, looks like a stitch. All right. Next one. So we know that we have energy in our bodies. So we eat food and we go through something called cellular respiration, which creates energy, which allows us to do any biological process. So the air energy currency of our body is a molecule called ATP. It's adenosine triphosphate. It's fun to say. But basically, there's the adenosine molecule, and then there are three phosphates attached, the little Ps. That last phosphate, that bond, is where the energy is held. So when you break that bond, a lot of energy is released, and it becomes ADP, adenosine diphosphate. And then if you want to recreate that energy, you have to stick that phosphate back on. And that process is what happens when you eat food for energy. And it happens in your mitochondrion. So if we're talking about scale, a mitochondrion is 500 nanometers big. There are a billion nanometers in a meter, which means that in a millimeter, there are 100,000 nanometers. And your mitochondrion is 500 of those. So teeny, teeny, tiny. If you go to the next slide. Um, how it works is in your mitochondrial membrane, there's a little molecule, it's called an ATP synthase, and basically it's a little turbine. Do you all know how turbines work? Something moves through it, it spins, kinetic energy generates power. So in your tiny, tiny little mitochondrion, there are a bunch of these little turbines, and hydrogen molecules move through the turbine, spin the turbine, the kinetic energy of the spinning turbine puts a phosphate back onto an ADP to make ATP, and you have energy. So I, we were learning about this, and I had a friend at Varsity, her name was Amanda, and she sat after that lecture when we learned about these little turbines in our tiny little mitochondrion, and she was like, I don't have an alternative because I don't believe in God, but I, I'm really battling to understand how this just happened through evolution. And five years later, I was visiting Glenridge, and she was there with her husband and her two kids. And um, clearly, she could not reconcile how biology could exist without a creator. So final thing is um, scientists talk about something called irreducible complexity, which is essentially where something like the uh, ATP synthase or DNA is so um, intricately made that you cannot simplify it and break it up smaller and it can still do its job. That's the big idea. But besides that also, it means that it can't just arise out of nothing either. And so I, I've always loved that idea. This is the last one that actually feeds into this. And it's the final video and then we are done. And it's this. It's a, a really cool little molecule which is called a, a, a kinin, or I think it's kinin or something along those lines. And essentially it's this. Oh, it's coming back. But it's um, I was sitting in second year molecular biology as well and um, I'll let 
Trisha was talking, that's not what they're called. Our lecturer was sitting there talking about how the cell, for the first time I heard about this, the cell isn't just this bag of liquid. Essentially, it has what's known as cytoskeleton. Cyto meaning cell skeleton scaffolding. And it's the scaffolding, all these lines and, and structures that hold the cell in position and place where nothing is out of place there. And there's a molecule, which you'll see now, that essentially is driven by ATP, that um, energy molecule that Kate was talking about. And if we can get it to play, you'll see that this little molecule's job, all it does is carry things along the cytoskeleton. Sorry, it's giving, it's giving some trouble. But it is the most, I, oh, that was that moment for me where I sat there in that lecture and I thought, God, that's you. You made that. Like, this thing is happening all the time. Don't worry. Don't worry about it, Matt. But, but essentially what it does is it walks. If you can imagine my arm as the cytoskeleton just walks along that one molecule of energy hits each of those little feet that you can kind of see at the base of it there, and it literally steps across that thing, which is just mind-blowing. But anyway, to finish off, friends, what do we do with all this? You can go to the next slide, Matt. It's there. There's so much more. As you can tell, I went, I've gone over time. You've been so amazing. You've been so patient. But I'm going to finish off with this. What do we do, friends? What do we do with something like this, where we've spoken about the big, the small, and the reality is as we... Like, how do we end off? And I, funnily enough, I was thinking about this rock over here. And the rock is this, is that Jesus, there's a story that he tells, um, sorry, that the scripture tells about him where he came into a place called Jerusalem. It is quite heavy. I'm not going to be a hero. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And he comes into Jerusalem, and the people, you'll know the story, they throw their palm leaves down and their coats, and they start to shout, Hosanna in the highest. And, um, and then there's like this ruckus, and people are like, no, they need to, they need to quieten down. You know, some of the disciples like, they need to calm down a little, you know? And Jesus says this thing. He says, if they don't worship, then the very rocks are going to cry out in praise. And a uh, funny story, but I, I came into church service a little bit later this morning, um, and I, I walked into the back, and I, that's where I stayed. And um, I was, it's so funny since I'm standing at the back because you get to see some of the people who are just kind of checking it out, you know? Some of you might not actually know what worship is and who he is. And I saw some people just standing there with their arms folded, mouths closed, just frowning, just staring at it all. And, and I thought to myself, a strange thought in light of this preach. I thought, actually, your friend, when you get home, your driveway is going to start singing just now. <laughs> because I was like, we can't, we can't withhold praise from this God. And so um, can I call the band up? Is that okay? Is that all right? Was there time? No, that's fine. That's all right. We were going to sing the song, How Great Is Our God. We were going to do that. But uh, maybe you can do something for me. Is when you go home tonight, would you take some time? before you go to bed and listen to it. Just um, play it over your phone or into your earphones, whatever it is, and just think for a little. Just some of the things that we've seen, some of the things we've spoken about, and the amazingness of it all. And, and I really hope that something of that will come come to us that actually, it talks about the early church and says that all came upon every soul. And I trust that that will be something of our story, Red Point Church. So again, I want to thank you for your patience. I want to thank you for your enthusiasm. And um, actually, all glory, all glory to God. Isn't that right? All glory to Him. And so finally, how great, how great is our God. Amen. Amen. Over to you, Chris.